be recorded. And I remembered to hit the button. So here we go. Um, take it away. Hi, um, I'm Tracy Johnston with Next Step Transition Center. And I am joining this webinar today about um, planning for special needs and transition um, because I uh, was once a high school special education teacher who had a lot of parents asking me, what are we going to do next and how do we plan for our young adults once they age out of high school? So at that point, I left my uh, teaching position and uh, became a Medicaid waiver provider. I provide HCS and Texas Home Living waiver services. Um, I serve several areas. Um, around Houston, Beaumont, Austin. Um, so if anybody has any questions about the services I provide, please feel free to, to ask. Wonderful, thank you, Tracy. If you don't mind, go ahead and put your contact info in the chat box and then people okay. can reach out to you um, later on today. I put our cons consolidated planning group contact info in the chat box already. So there's our phone number, the email for our office, and also a link to our YouTube channel because we do a ton of these webinars. And um, after we finish the webinar, we put them on our YouTube channel and also on our new podcast. So if you're joining us today from the podcast, welcome. Feel free to email our office contact at cpgcares.net and we can send you the slides. Um, this webinar is being recorded. Later on today, you will receive an email that has the slides and a link to the recording. Um, and of course, our contact information. So uh, you're welcome to set up an appointment with us or call us if you have more questions. Uh, we cannot hear you or see you today because we're in webinar mode, but you can put any questions or comments that you have in the chat box. I'm going to keep an eye on that while I'm, I'm talking. So um, if you see me looking down, that's what I'm looking at is the, the chat box to just make sure I get all your questions. If I uh, ignore your question, please don't get mad at me. It just means I'm, I'm about to answer it in the next couple slides or you know, we're going to get to it in a second. Okay. So with all of that being said, thank you for joining us today. Tracy, thank you for having us. Consolidated Planning Group is a holistic financial uh, planning firm. We focus on families with loved ones who have a disability or a special need of some kind and just need some, some specialized help throughout their life. We can talk to you about protection plans, lifetime care, uh, transition planning, ABLE accounts. But what we really are here for is educating and advocating uh, for special needs families. You know, the owner of our company, Allison, has, she and her husband have four kids all together, and two of them have, have a disability or a medical issue or a special need. And when she was going through the transition phase of, of her life, it was just so difficult. And she was so angry because she's been a financial planner for almost for 30 years. And then she comes upon this hurdle and she says, why is this so difficult? We need to help people and help them through this. So 
we provide the education and um, as much help as we can to families just to make sure that it's not so hard on you. You don't have to go through what, what she went through. Um, so today we're going to be talking about tips for launching your special needs kiddo into adulthood. Um, and some of them are tips that'll help with any child of yours. I have two boys, they're 21 and 19. Um, and I think it's it's important to keep this stuff in consideration for all children. But, um, you know, it's really important not to let your expectations and, and other people's stories and milestones and all of that uh, worry you too much. You know, we think, oh, yay, I have a baby. He's going to grow up and he's going to be big and strong and healthy and he's going to just be wonderful in school and then he's going to go to college and then he's going to get married and have a family and a great career and we all know that it doesn't necessarily work out that way for most people there are so many different paths available and so many different ways to get our kids to where they're going we want you to just keep realistic expect expectations you know understand what their diagnosis is. With that diagnosis is going to come some challenges, but also some strengths. You know, they, they might struggle in one area, but really excel in other areas. And that's okay. Your child might be on a non-traditional path. Um, maybe going to college is not in the deck of cards for them. And that's totally fine. Um, you just have to keep an open mind. And there are different things that you can uh, look for and think about. Maybe, maybe they're not quite ready for their driver's license right at age 16. You can delay that. That's not a big deal. Um, maybe trade school would be better for them or a vocational path, a certification program. Um, you don't have to jump straight to a four-year college. There are plenty of other options out there. Um, the Texas Workforce Commission VR program is a great program that helps, um, helps children, students consider what their impediments to working are and how to overcome those. Uh, we refer everybody to those, that program because it's so good. Maybe a registered apprenticeship or um, a reduced college course load. Even if they want, your child wants to go to college, you know, they can just take a couple courses, get their toes wet, see how it goes. It doesn't have to be full-time and it doesn't have to be living on campus if you don't think that would be right for them. They can live at home for a little while, take a couple courses, maybe at a local community college and see how it goes. So don't, you know, don't get wrapped up in what, people are sharing on Facebook, you know, we only put the good moments on there. Uh, nobody's putting information about the struggles that they have on Facebook. So don't compare yourself or your child to others. Just enjoy what you've got going on and uh, keep an open mind um, and, and just help build their self-esteem. You know, it's important not to criticize, but to think about what they're doing right and what you are doing right. So often the voice in our heads wants to put us down and say mean things and tell us lies, but it's not true. We're all doing the very best that we can. So when you're thinking about 
finding a good fit for your child. Uh, you know, there's plenty, there's so many different schools and colleges out there that offer different programs that might be right for your kid. Um, maybe they're extracurricular activities. You can get them into, um, if they love whatever their extracurricular activity is. For my son, it was marching band. He was in marching band. Uh, he had been playing instruments since he was in sixth grade. And as I was just telling Tracy before we got started, he now is in Chicago playing in four or five different bands and occasionally comes on down to Houston and plays a gig down here. Uh, so his extra extracurricular activity truly turned into his life's passion and his career. Um, think about what career path might be appropriate for your child, what kind of job, what kind of work setting even. Um, you know, some people really can't handle a lot of noise and extra distractions and things going on. So you have to think about, okay, if your child is one of those people who hates extra noise, but they want to go work, I don't know, someplace where it would be loud, maybe that might not be the best fit for them. Or if they, they really hate sitting still, working in a cubicle in a corporate office setting might not be the best because you have to sit still. Uh, things like that. Think about what they're good at, what they love, and, and what they want to do and fit that in to find a career path or a path beyond high school that would work. Um, so let's talk a little bit about accommodations. So um, there are accommodations available for things like your SAT and ACT tests, the AP exams, even college courses and graduate level exams, you can get accommodations for. You need to check into them early and be prepared, you know, find out what proof they need that you need an accommodation or what things they're going to offer. Um, determine what you, well, what your child needs and why do they need that? Uh, just so that you can have that information ready to say, listen, AP exam, my kid was in this class and he wants to take his AP test, but he really needs um, an adaptive hearing uh, thingy. Sorry, the word just left my mouth, left my head. Um, maybe he needs some help to get through that test. And, and why? They might look at your testing. They might want to know um, every three to five years, you should have some of those tests updated, uh, either through the school or through your doctor's office or through workforce commission, things like that. Um, but accommodations don't just automatically transfer through to college. If you had some things set up in the public school system or the private school system for your child, and then you go off to college and all of a sudden they're not getting that, it's because it doesn't it doesn't transfer with the student. You have to reach out and find out what's available and, and get those for your student. You have to talk to the Office of um, Disabilities is usually what it's called. And some of them are great, some of them not so much. So that's something that you might wanna consider when you're choosing colleges, which schools have a great Office of um, Disability and which ones aren't answering their phones and not listening to you and not helping you. Um, 
once your child is in college, they're, they're above age 18, you know, they're suddenly adults according to the law, which is very scary, but um, you can't just call up the schools anymore and ask questions about your kid. As a matter of fact, when it comes to college, many colleges won't talk to parents at all. So you might have to have a FERPA on file. Well, you, you do have to have a FERPA so that the school um, has authorization to talk to you. You have authorization to talk to them about your child, because as we know, um, they're always going to be our babies. Uh, when it comes to working and accommodations, uh, where do you go to get a FERPA on file? Yeah, call the school. You can probably print one out online and send it into the school, uh, but I would touch base with the school first and see if they have a specific uh, form that they need you to sign. When it comes to working, there are certain accommodations that need to be made for, for your child, as long as it does not put undue hardship onto the business that they're working for. Uh, you can ask them to make a reasonable accommodation. Um, for more information about the workplace uh, rules on accommodations and things like that, you can go to the Department of Labor website or the Job Accommodation Network website. When we send you these slides later on today, all of these links will be clickable. So um, you can click on those later or you can jot them down right now, whatever is easiest for you. I'm checking for questions. Okay. Uh, these are some of the programs uh, beyond high school. Different colleges have some great programs out there that you might want to look into. So check with the school um, that has the programs that you want, the location that you want, the size, the reputation, you know, whatever it takes, whatever is the most important to you, the price, <laughs> that's very important to us parents. Um, so look up those things and look at these great programs. For example, the Vast Academy at HCC is a great program. Oh, thank you so much, Patricia, for putting that in the uh, chat box. I think that's a link to that FERPA form general guidance. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so these are some great programs that the schools offer. We don't work for them and they don't work for us. Uh, it's just some, some things that we've heard through our clients, good programs. Uh, the Metamorphosis Program at Lynn University, the Nonpareil Institute is great. A&M has their Aggie Achieves Program and also the PATHS Program. Um, there is E4 Texas at University of Texas in Austin. Um, just all these great programs. So check into those things if it's looking like your child would like to go to a college setting. Um, Bloom Consulting. Now, again, we don't work for them. They don't work for us. But it's a good program that, you know, we are fans of. So Bloom Consulting has a program called Campus Connections. And they support neurodiverse college students um, as they go into post-secondary education. It can be in-person or virtual support. They use a wraparound planning process, and it, the Berkman, it's called the Berkman Method, um, to help build a support team, figure out what your kid needs support 
in? What kind of things do they need help with? Um, and they give your kid a coach who's going to help them either through, you know, Zoom trainings or in person to uh, provide nav navigational support, mentoring programs, all of that. It really helps empower your student to solve their own problems, self-advocate, um, making better choices. Now, this program does, it's not, not free. It's $1,000 a month private pay. If you work with the Texas Workforce Commission VR program, there might be a sponsorship or a grant opportunity uh, through that. So you might want to consider that. And uh, you would con uh, contact uh, Bloom Consulting and you'll get their contact information, of course, when you have the slides. Do you know of programs that are offered if there is a psychosis, schizophrenia present? Um, I know there are some, and we're going to get to a lot more links coming up. So hold on to that question for a moment. We might come to some. Um, so how do you get started with special needs planning? The first thing is that there's a big difference between a special needs planner, what we are, um, and a special needs attorney. Now, it's great to have both uh, on your team because you'll need an attorney for things like guardianship, um, power of attorneys, getting your will set up, and a special needs trust. If you um, want to open a special needs trust, which you probably should, it's important to have that to have a place to put money that will not affect your child's benefits. Um, so you need an attorney who knows about the topics that you're dealing with. You don't, you know, my best friend is a divorce attorney. I, I know that she can do these things. She can do guardianship. She can set up a trust, but I don't want her to because she is not well-versed in the nuances of exactly what is needed. I need someone who really is focused on the special needs aspects of the law. Don't go to your, your cousin who can do it for free. Don't go to your neighbor who's a real estate attorney. Do it right. Go with a specialist. And the same applies when you're doing financial planning. You need a specialist who understands the ins and outs of benefits for your child and um, planning for the future, doing estimates for what it's going to cost. You don't want just anybody. Um, there are over 250,000 250, financial advisors in the United States, but out of those 250,000, there are only 150, not thousand, just 150 who are focused on special needs planning. So you are definitely in the right spot. Work with a special needs planner to help you formulate a plan for your family, for your loved ones. You wanna gather up all the planning documents that, uh, that would come into play. You need to know what your life insurance looks like so that we can help you make sure that you're going to have enough. It doesn't matter what kind you have at the end, it matters if there's enough to protect your family.
Uh, we want to look at your investments, your 401k and 403b and retirement plans and pension plans and all of that, um, and make sure that your investments are, you're not paying too many fees, that you're not experienced too much overlap, that your risk tolerance level is actually in line with what your investments are doing. Um, we would like for you to develop a letter of intent for your family. We've done a full webinar on this many times, and you can see that on our YouTube channel. But briefly, a letter of intent is a place where you write what you know your loved one needs. Um, start with facts. Where were they born? Who are their doctors? What are their diagnoses? And then it'll flow into things like, what do they love? What makes them happy? What makes them throw a tantrum? What knocks the bus right off the uh, off the road, the wheels off the bus? You know, some days are great and some days not so much. So what would somebody need to know if they were walking into your shoes, if, if something were to happen to you to take care of your loved one? That is what a letter of intent is for. Um, and, and finally, when you're thinking of special needs planning, think about what you want life to look like for your child, but also what you want your life to look like. How do you envision your future? Um, do you want to travel a lot? Do you want to own multiple properties? Do you want to have your child at home with you as long as possible? Or do you want them to be more independent and, and go live in a um, residential housing situation? You know, what, what really is on your mind and in your heart for your family? Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm seeing some more good stuff in the chat box. Um, more things you need to think about when you're planning for the future and things that developing a care plan now will help you figure out how much money do you need to fund the special needs trust for your child? Um, are we talking a couple hundred thousand is gonna do the trick or is it more like, 10 or 20 or 30 million, what do you need? We can help you figure that out. Uh, how do you maximize your social security benefits for your family? So once you're in your late 60s and you turn on your social security benefits, how much should you be getting? How much should your spouse be getting? And how much will, will your child be able to get? Because there are things like, um, disabled adult child benefits that they'll get for the rest of their life. Um, once you turn on your social security benefits. Most people don't know about all of those extra programs. And then what is going to happen? And I know that you've all thought of this. It probably keeps you awake at night. What is going to happen to your child when you're gone? How are you going to pay for that care? Who's going to take care of them? These are so important to think about ahead of time, not when you're already in crisis and decisions need to be made, it's better to do it ahead of time. So many parents worry a lot about how they are going to fund their child's future. The first thing that you need to do when it comes to funding is to make sure that they're getting the benefits that they deserve from your state and your um, federal government. So there's things like waiver programs, SSI benefits, SSDI, all of that kind of stuff. 
make sure that you're getting the benefits you deserve and that you don't do anything to jeopardize those benefits. Uh, you might know that, and especially if you've seen any of our webinars before, you might know that your child should not have more than $2,000 to their name. Um, that would be in a checking account or a savings account. They can have money in an ABLE account and they can have money in a trust. Those won't count towards their, their uh, assets. But if they have more than $2,000, they might be disqualified for SSI benefits or Medicaid. And you need to preserve that eligibility. Uh, so, so establishing a special needs trust is really important. That's where like your life insurance would go or your investments. Once you pass away, you would have the beneficiary set up to be the trust, not your child. Um, your life insurance and assets provide that funding uh, for that trust. And then you can also have money in an ABLE account. Um, an ABLE account is very similar to a 529 college savings plan. That's a 529C. 529A is for ABLE, and it really is intended anything that can achieve a better life for an individual with a disability, you can pay for from the ABLE account. And there's no you know, reduction to your SSI benefits because you're using the ABLE account, nothing like that. Um, the amount you put into your ABLE account does grow tax-free. You can put 17, well, for 2023, it's 17,000 you can put in and additional money if your child is currently working. Um, the disability has to have begun before age 26. And I know that they just passed a law that's going to change 26 up to like 40 something uh, in the next couple of years. So that's good for everybody. Any questions? No, I'm not seeing anything pop up, so I'll keep going. What else do you need to know about ABLE accounts? So the beneficiary is the account owner. Uh, your child can have one ABLE account, but anybody can put money into it. So if you have grandparents or, or whatever, um, who wanna help out your kids, they can put money in. The limit is, the $17,000 for 2023, you never ever want to let the ABLE account go over $100,000. If you have over $100,000 in your ABLE account, then the Social Security Administration will say, oh, look, you've got plenty. You don't need our help. So don't do that. <laughs> the income that is earned in that account is not taxable. They do invest um, the money. It's usually a very safe investment with, you know, low returns, but a lot more than just sitting in the bank. Um, you cannot deduct your contributions um, on your taxes, that on your federal taxes, but some states do offer um, deductions on your state income tax. Of course, here in Texas, we don't have a state income tax. So if you live in Texas, that wouldn't really matter to you. It doesn't jeopardize your SSI or Medicaid benefits. Um, and there are the contributions and distribution limits. So I do see that we have a question. Uh, the additional 12880, which is more this year, I think it's like 13270, uh, 
$13,270. Additionally, that you can put into an ABLE account if your child is working. Um, does all of that money have to be from employment or could he work and earn 5,000, but we go ahead and put the maximum in there? That sounds a little shady to me and I don't know that they would allow that. Um, I don't know for sure. That's the first time I've heard that question. Um, but I think that the intent is that it's money from their job. What rules must be followed for the ABLE account to be used? So we've kind of gone over those. Your child has to have been under 26 when they became disabled. You can pretty much use it for anything that is going to make their life better. Um, it's not for you to buy uh clothes or whatever for you, it's for you to buy things for the child. And as long as it's for the child uh, in the ABLE account, it's pretty much up for grabs. Now, um, special needs trust and guardianship. Again, I mentioned that these are things that an attorney will have to set up for you. Um, we can't do that. We are not attorneys. We can refer you to some great ones all throughout the state of Texas. Um, but we can't do it. But you do need a special needs trust to help preserve your eligibility. So remember I said, you can put money in an ABLE account, but only so much. It's the, a yearly limit and there's a total limit. With a special needs trust, there is no limit. So that's for larger things like your life insurance or um, any other investments that you have that you want to leave to your child. You would leave those to a special needs trust. Uh, you could open one right away if, you know, maybe there's an inheritance coming. So you need to open that trust right away. Or you can have it to where it's written into your will that a special needs trust will be opened when you pass away. Um, either way is good. It just depends on what's right for your family. Guardianship. If you think that guardianship is in your future, you can start applying for that when your child is within six months of their 18th birthday. Now, guardianship does take away some rights for your child. And the law here in Texas says that when it comes to guardianship, you need the least restrictive option that will serve your family. So it might be partial guardianship or it might be power of attorney, or it might be supported decision-making. There are various levels under the guardianship umbrella. Um, and the law, like I said, wants you to have the least restrictive that's going to work for your family. So if you would like to um, get a list of the attorneys that re we recommend, you can reach out to us. We provide that to all of our clients, of course. Here's some additional resources on transition planning and the transition handbook. These, well, it doesn't look like they're gonna be clickable, but you can copy and paste them into your web browser when you get these slides. The last one, the Texas Reality Check is clickable, but um, these are great resources for you when it comes to finding out more about transition. Uh, there are also some residential programs that help with the phase of moving from high school to 
adulthood and how does that all work? The Monarch School and Institute uh, is in Houston and that's a, a really good program, residential program. Um, it's an all-inclusive therapeutic program for young adults with uh, neurological differences, helps them, um, you know, develop and reach maximum for them independence, you know, how independent can they be and how can we help them get there? Um, it offers a progressive environment that motivates learning and stimulates personal growth. Another great program is the Advanced Immersive Training Program, also in Houston. Um, it's for post-high school young adults with learning and social differences who want to experience uh, independence. Reach Unlimited is in Cyprus. They work with people with IDD um, to live, learn, and earn money. They have a great staff and tons of volunteers. And the, the programs include 19 different group homes, plus home and community-based services, uh, and a center for lifelong learning. If you're thinking about you know, taking a gap year, or your child is thinking about taking a gap year, there is a good residential program out in Massachusetts. Um, is the Dynamy Internship Year. It's not non-therapeutic program, but it does offer career exploration and professional internship possibilities, an apartment living arrangement, and practical skills workshops. It gives one-on-one -on -one advising and mentoring, and there are even college courses that they can enroll in during this program. So it's kind of like they're they're gaining their real world, real life experience, but in a controlled setting so that you know that they're safe and taken care of. Um, so we do webinars several times a week, three, four, sometimes five webinars a week. We put them all on our YouTube channel. This link will be live when, when you get the slides. You can go look at all of our upcoming webinars. I've already put our YouTube channel in the chat box, so you can go straight there whenever you want to. Um, some other things, and I'm going to read the, as I'm looking at this slide, I'm hoping that some more questions will come through. Um, other things that should be on your radar as you're getting ready for your child to come out of high school and flourish into life, um, into adult life, as it were, um, think about that special needs care plan. What is your child going to need for the future and, and how can you provide that? What is it going to cost for your child if they need care for the rest of their lives? Um, not just now because you're here and you're taking care of them for right now, but in the future, once you're gone, you know, maybe they need to go to a group home or Maybe they need partial residential or full residential care. What is that going to cost in 20 or 30 years once you're gone? And then for 20 or 30 years for your loved one to be there, we can help you figure that out. Um, are you on the Texas waiver interest list? I hope you're saying, oh yes, check that off. We've got that done. Uh, but if not, we do... Um, 
We do webinars about the waivers and interest lists. We can help you make sure you get signed up. We know the phone numbers and who you should call to make sure you're getting on all the lists. Thank you, Holly. I see that she put an IRS link to the maximum contribution for those who work, what you can contribute to ABLE. Thank you. That would give tons of information, I'm sure. Um, so we talked about waivers, SSI and SSDI. It's important that you know what the difference is, what these different programs are, how to get signed up for them, and what they're looking for to make sure that you get the largest benefit that you can. Um, ABLE accounts, which we've talked about a lot because it's it's such a good program that you can put your money there for your special needs child. It can grow tax-free. They can use it for pretty much whatever they need. Um, it's just, just a great program. And there are over 40 different ABLE accounts all throughout the United States. You do not have to use your state's plan. So most states, including Texas, have their own ABLE account plan, but you can use any of them that are out there. So we want to look for one that is easy to use, easy to sign up for, easy to get your money out of when you need it. And that does a good job of investing that money in low risk investments that make a little bit of money. Um, so choose wisely on your ABLE accounts. I mentioned that it's important that your beneficiaries, um, you know, on your life insurance or your investment is not your child. It should be uh, for the, the trust for the benefit of your child. So you don't ever want to leave your money directly to Johnny Smith. You want it to the special needs trust for the benefit of Johnny Smith. And it's important. It can be a very, very, very expensive mistake. If somebody in your family has already done it, perhaps great grandma passed away and she wanted to give some money to your child and she didn't know because most financial advisors don't know. Um, and your, your great grandma or whoever left money straight to your child. Well, that will need to go into a first party benefit. Uh, a first party trust, if that's already done, we can call that an oops trust. Oops, we made a mistake and it has to go to a first party trust. The difference between the first party and the third party is kind of where the money comes from, right? If it's your child's money, it has to go to a first party trust. If it's not their money yet, it can go to a third party trust. Um, child support, for example, that's your kid's money once they're over the age of 18. So if you have child support in your life that continues beyond your child's age 18, it does need to go to a first party trust. And the difference with a first party trust is that at the end of your child's life, if there's money left over in that first party trust, Medicaid can come back and claim some of that money to pay them back for the years that your child has been on Medicaid and receiving services from them. Uh, savings bonds. Yeah, savings bonds will be counted too. So um, as long as you're not going over your $2,000 asset limit, and it's not $2,000 a month, 
It's $2,000 in, in their name, period. Um, they can't have more than $2,000. So if you need to cash a savings bond or something like that, sure, cash it and then put it into an ABLE account or into the trust, um, just not into their bank account or unless, or you can use it immediately, then use it, sure. Uh, just don't have it sitting in checking or savings. Um, if residential living is something that might be right for your family. You want to start touring the campuses early. There's a lot of great programs out there and the kids love it. They're so happy. They have a community, they have a job. And um, you know, if you want to, if you want something like Marbridge or Brookwood or uh, 29 acres, what whatever, we've we've done several residential webinars where we have them all come on and talk about their programs, um, but you want to tour those places early, like you can start touring maybe around age 15 if you're thinking you want your child to move into a program like that right away. Um, but give it a couple years because there might be a waiting list and you might find the greatest residential campus that is out there and love it for your family and want to send your kid there and then you find out that there's a five year waiting list. So just plan in advance and know that there could be a waiting list for that, okay? We don't want you to get discouraged. Um, many residential living campuses are private pay, but there are some that accept the HCS or, or some other waiver. Um, so you want to look into that definitely ahead of time and find out if they're private pay only or if they take a waiver. Thank you, Teresa. Um, We've already talked about guardianship and uh, starting that process when you're within six months of turning 18. And then looking at all of those post high school educational options. We've done webinars on all of these topics. So if you have questions, we can help you and you can look on our YouTube channel for answers. Uh, this is our team. We always like to show the team and let you put some faces with the names that we're throwing around here. Um, Allison and Jeff are the owners. They live just outside of Houston in Sugarland. Married couple, like I said, they have two kiddos with special needs, um, and and they're they're adults now. But when they went through this, oh, that's why we do what we do because we want to serve the community. I come from a teaching background. So as my time as a teacher, you know, I saw a lot of what's going on and worked with a lot of kids who had disabilities. And then the, the last guy on there, Andrew Morris, that's my husband. So we're two husband and wife teams. Um, and then we have four girls who help with things like marketing and paperwork and scheduling appointments and doing all the back office work that needs to get completed. They keep us in line really is what they do. <laughs> We're also members of the Special Needs Planning Academy and National Social Security, Social Security Advisors. So we can do everything that any other financial planning firm, firm can do, but we take it even further uh, by adding in that level of nuanced uh, knowledge as it comes to special needs and disabled uh, disabled adults. Um, if you are interested in asking us more questions or meeting with us, we always offer a free initial consultation. 
So during that consultation, we want to get to know a little bit about you and your family, what you're going through. Uh, we want to answer any questions that you have up front so that we can help you. And then we can tell you about how we work, um, how we charge, how all of that happens. And if you think that we would be a good fit, and if we think that you would be a good fit to go forward, then we do that. Um, so we're not pushy. It's no obligation. And our main goal is to answer your questions when you have a consultation with us. So you can either call or email us to set that up, or you can use the QR code, which will take you straight to our calendar. You can just go ahead and schedule your own appointment. Um, we also have our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and our podcast linked below. When you receive those slides, you can click on those. So I'll stick on this page for a, a little bit while I wait and see if we have any more questions. We're finished a little early today. So if you have any questions, I mean, you've got access for the next 15 minutes to um, people who know. So you might as well ask them. And uh, I'll just leave this up so that you can schedule your appointments. So any questions? I don't see any co anything coming through yet. We've talked about the $2,000 maximum uh, for SSI. You do want your children to, to stay eligible for Medicare. Even, you know, we don't necessarily love the Medicare doctors. Um, maybe you've got enough money that it's not important to you. But those waiver programs are so important for, can we share the handouts? We are going to send this um, recording and the slides to your email address after we're all finished here today. So you will definitely be getting those a little bit later. Thank you for joining us, even if you had to join late. Okay, well, I'm not seeing any more questions, but I really do appreciate everyone who administers the ABLE account. Okay, so as I mentioned, there are over 40 different ABLE accounts available with different administrators. Some are states. Um, the one that we use is through American Funds. They're a, an advisory uh, financial firm, um, but they're all administered by different financial firms. Good question. Okay, so when you open an ABLE account, she uh, she says, I meant to say, is it the guardian of the person with the disability? When you open an ABLE account, the owner of the ABLE account is the beneficiary, the child, but anybody can put money into it. So you can have grandma and grandpa or aunts and uncles or friends put money into the account. You set it up for the benefit of your child and they are the owner of the account. Uh, but of course you're on there to help guide things in the right direction. All right. Thank you to everybody who joined us today during your lunchtime or anything like that. I have a high functioning autistic daughter who is 18, can still be a guardian. Can you still be guardian of your daughter if they're high functioning? Like I said, you have to go through an attorney to get guardianship and legally 
they have to give you the least restrictive situation for your family. So if your daughter is high functioning, it's unlikely that you'll, you'll need full guardianship. Um, there are other options like partial guardianship or uh, decision-making, guided decision-making. You'll probably end up with one of those. As a decision maker and helping using the funds in an ABLE account, yes, a parent can help help um, determine what is needed. You don't have to be the guardian of the child to help them with their ABLE account. There's a, a simplified decision-making form. I'm not sure. I'm not the attorney. Uh, we don't really work with that. But yes, there are other things besides full guardianship that might work better for your family if they're high functioning. There's also shared decision-making, thank you. All right, well, with that, unless another question pops up, I'm gonna say goodbye. Thank you, Tracy, so much for being here. And sure. uh, yes, helping out. I was just putting some information in the chat about supported decision-making. Oh, fantastic. Thank Let me finish typing. All right. Well, we'll stay. But on yes. Thank you for way. having me. Yeah. Um, and if anybody has, you know, more specialized questions that maybe it would take too long to type it out in a chat box, or maybe you don't want the whole world uh, or the whole group knowing what's going on in your life, just feel free to call or email us. We are here to help. That initial consultation is completely free. So go ahead and sign up for that. Don't be afraid to meet with us. Um, we do ask that you fill out a little questionnaire about your family because legally there are things that we need to know about you before we give you any advice or guidance, uh, such as your address and who you are and that kind of thing. Uh, so fill out the questionnaire and then we'll, we'll meet with you and we love meeting with people. Tracy says you can find supported decision-making forms on the Arc of Texas website. And supported decision-making does not require a lawyer. Okay. Thank you all so much. I'm going to stop my share and stop the recording. But don't forget to hook up with us if you need anything. We're here to help. I hope you have a great day and enjoy the rest of your week. Bye, Tracy. Bye. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Securities and advisory services offered through Triad Advisors, member FINRA and SIPC, Consolidated Planning Group Incorporated and Triad Advisors LLC are not affiliated. Advisory services offered through Consolidated Planning Group Incorporated. Consolidated Planning Group Incorporated is not affiliated with Triad Advisors.